0: what is going on everybody this is your host of the colin thompson show colin thompson we're going to work on that jack i'm used to this. this is your host colin thompson with not for long media we are brought to you by the podcast family at not for long media this is the colin thompson show appreciate everybody tuning in we have a fun episode ahead plan on things being like this before uh, moving forward. We're going to have episodes that are live, grab a cocktail, sit back, relax, 30, 45 minutes to an hour. We're going to do have live guests today. We have a friend, someone I was able to work with Teek Patel, a fantastic nutritionist. I work with the New York Giants and then Matt Lombardo coming on, who is big in the Philadelphia area, who is a you know NFL reporter, college football reporter. Um, has a ton of knowledge. We're going to talk NIL. We're going to talk NFL offseason. So we're going to talk a little bit of nutrition. We're going to talk a little bit of de- everything that we usually do here at Not For Long Media. Um, exciting things to come. Jack, how you doing, buddy?
1: Doing good. You know, another, even though it was Memorial Day weekend, it was still a big weekend in sports. A couple games going on. Conference finals finishing up in the NBA. NHL playoffs have been phenomenal. I mean, I've finally been able to catch, watch more and more games to your persuasion. It has been Great to watch. I mean, it's just been phenomenal hockey. That Blues-Avalanche series was just top-notch.
0: Yeah, Blues go down uh, to the Avs in a fantastic series. Obviously, Edmonton with some huge, you know, a huge win. We're going to get into all that, too, and the Canes go down uh, in the Eastern Conference. But before we get into all that, I want to talk about uh, our sponsor, what makes this thing go here at Not For Long Media, and that's the original Fudge Kitchen, fudgekitchens.com shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country. We all know it from the Jersey shore in the Northeast, but if you don't know about it, it is the best fudge in the world period. I've been able to be in there while they're making it. They're crafting it. I've scraped pans in there, ice cream machine scraping out the ice. I've been able to kind of work in there, hang out in there, and there's no better gift this summer season. They really get the fresh saltwater taffy to try the sweet, Treats in fudge, literally shipping across the country. It's an awesome thing they have going on. Check them out, fudgekitchens.com. Check them out. Don't leave a friend behind this summer. Ship some fudge to them. Okay, so the best thing I saw this weekend before we send it over to Teek here, Teak Patel in a second, is UNC Women's Across. Congratulations. A huge, huge, huge victory over Boston College, 12 to 11. Shout out to the Adalve, fam- Adalve family and Andy. Uh, They're a part of our not for long media network here. Uh, They're great people. They're big supporters of us and myself and my wife, Sydney. Um, So congrats to you, uh, your family and to Andy and the UNC women's across team winning a national title. So unbelievable stuff for you. My second thing that I saw this weekend that I didn't get to see Jack. That was all over the place. Again, I didn't get to see the movie and that is Top Gun, which I'm extremely excited to see about. And we're going to ask Teak in a second here if he saw Top Gun, but I, of course, I'm jacked up for it, right? I, we just moved to Annapolis. I love the Naval Academy, Top Gun. It, it's fantastic. But I got to pull up my phone here. These are all the places I saw advertisements for Top Gun, and I, I give them respect. But I, I mean, it's a little much for me. It was a little much for my tasting. I mean, they got the point across. We're going to book it. So I go on Netflix, right? One time offer, you can watch Top Gun a part of your Netflix subscription. The movie. So I popped that on Saturday night and watched that as we wandered down and went to bed. Uh, Twitter and Instagram. Every single time it's on there. Every single time I come up, it's on there. We were driving south from Annapolis to DC, and we can bring Jack. Jack, we can bring Teek in here. We were driving south from Annapolis to DC, from DC to Raleigh, and it says, "Slow down, Maverick. Enjoy the show." <laughs> come on. And then uh, I forget what the other one was. I had it written my phone, but I, of course I can't read it right now. But it's been everywhere. I'm looking forward to the movie. It's got rave reviews. Teak, have you seen Top Gun?
2: No, it's on my list. Actually, I'm hoping to see it tomorrow with a and So, luckily, Netflix. I think they strategically put up the original and had it everywhere. So, I was browsing this past weekend, and I was like, you know what? I need to I need to refamiliarize myself with the movie just so I have an idea of what I've seen it before plenty of times. But I wanted to make sure that I was fresh going into the sequel. But I've heard nothing but good things. Everybody that's been mentioning it on Twitter has said that it's amazing, and so for my expectation, it better be amazing because everybody's saying it is.
0: Everyone's is saying it's great. They have dumped you know tons and tons of money into the movie. I can't wait to watch it. It's been like a four or five year production war because of COVID. Uh, the biggest Memorial Day weekend opening of all time. They tweeted today: three hundred million in global box off. Uh, A-plus cinema score, which I don't know what the heck that means. But, uh, Jack, appreciate you. Uh, Teek, appreciate you joining us. Uh, guys, I've been able to work with uh, Teek Patel now when I was with the Giants. This is a long time ago now.
2: Yeah, it's long, crazy. Five years.
0: It, it's been it's been a heck of a grind, man. And uh, to get where I'm at today, and to really we're going to talk about your journey. But, you know, former NFL nutrition, nutritionist, sports, health, coaching, and lifestyle Thanks for joining us, man. How are things going on with you?
2: It's good, man. You know what? I can't complain. You know, trying to have that mentality of everything's neutral. You know, we've been through a lot of ups and downs, but really looking forward to the next phase of my career and how things continue to progress. It's been an interesting exit from the NFL, but I think it's definitely been for the better.
0: Yeah. So you, you know, work your way up. Like a normal, you know, assistant. Then you become a head, you know, a nutritionist. You're at Kansas, you're at Oregon, and then you get the mecca job, literally the mecca job, the holy grail of, you know, first class organizations. Uh, at least my experience with them, and then from other players that have spoke about it uh, with the New York Giants. And you step away. Can you talk about kind of the rise through the ranks, the things, you know, some of the things you've learned as not necessarily nutritionally. We're going to get into that. But the rise through the ranks of, of grinding and traveling and moving and then getting the biggest job and then, you know, stepping away for whatever opportunity that may be.
2: Yeah. And, and the funny thing was the NFL was never anything that was really on my radar. You know, I I've always loved sports as a kid, played soccer, basketball. You know, parents wouldn't let me get into really anything else. You know, typical Indian parents, you you play these very uh, non-confrontational sports. But uh, I went through a sedentary period, but then discovered training in high school. You know, it, it changed my body and it changed my life. And alongside with that, you know, I changed up some nutrition habits, was learning everything the wrong way. So from all these. In uninformative magazines and GNC bros, I was trying to get that bodybuilder aesthetic, but trying to be athletic, too. And both of those don't necessarily combine and live really well if you're trying to be a successful athlete, especially trying to play football. But finished out high school, track and football it wasn't really any good. I actually ended up playing with three guys that ended up in the NFL, which is nuts, you know, in a 6A school here in Kansas, which is, which is kind of crazy to think about. So from there, I went to K-State, studied dietetics undergrad, left there, uh, had a couple experiences, you know, kind of learning about what it's like working with athletic populations and really learned about, hey, you could do this as a career, working at the college level, working with pros and training centers. I'm like, holy crap, this is insane. Like, this is exactly what I want to do, help other people transform their lives for the better. Because it made such a positive impact on me. So I had the opportunity to go back for a master's in, you know, exercise physiology, kinesiology. That's where I started coaching a little bit at K-State, you know, working with the men's basketball team, doing nutrition, body comp, stuff like that. And that transitioned into an opportunity at Michigan State, doing similar type things. But now it's like, hey, you know, you're going to be working with the athletic department, but also teaching, research, coaching on the side, really rounding out my skills that you know, catapulted me into an opportunity at the University of Oregon, so running a department. And then that, you know, opened the door for me to combine the two things I love the most, which is nutrition and exercise training, doing that dual role when I was with the Giants. And that's, um, it's unique. Not a lot of places are like that where they're actually going to hire you and say, these are the two main things you're going to be in charge of. A lot of times is you have staff members, you have coaches that absorb, different roles but it's not like it's written on paper to say this is exactly what you're going to end up doing and you know i I love that opportunity you know i got a chance to meet you get a chance to work with a lot of great players the organization is first class they really take care of the athletes and it's something that i learned speaking with a lot of players that have been around the league like it's not the same you know you don't get that kind of treatment you don't get the access to resources of food the medical care You know, a brain like Aaron Wellman's from a strength and conditioning perspective, you know, that's rare. So what we are trying to do is do as much as we can with the constraints that the NFL provides you to work in, which is tough. Unfortunately, you know, we didn't win very many games, you know, up in those four, around those four years I was there. And it's a learning experience. It's a transition time. I think they're heading in the right direction now, which is great. You know, having still in contact people like Ronnie Barnes. Uh, Obviously, you know him very well that uh, it seems like there's a really good energy in the building and I'm happy for him. You know, just texted uh, DJ. It was his birthday on the 27th, uh, which is one day before mine. You know, he responded back. You know, I, I think he's doing really well, too, which is great. But it got to a point where. I had spent a lot of time just focusing on the career. You know, like, hey, you got to put in the hours because that's just the, the price of entry to work and coach. And everybody does it to the point where, you know, my health wasn't the greatest. You know, I made a big transition in 2019. And then I got to a point where it's like, well, I don't see there being another step here if that's possible in terms of growth. And I think that's a big thing for a lot of people. You know, you see it with players, you see it with assistant coaches, coordinators, like some have a drive and desire in them to continue to grow and, challenge themselves in new ways. And unfortunately when 2020 hit, you know, not just because of the pandemic, because of the changes that happened. So another coaching staff, you know, uh, now we're on our second GM. Now it's on our third or fourth head coach and it's, you have to start from square one. So you got 35 to 40 new players every year. You have a new practice structure, new culture. The head coach has been signed on for five years, five million years. So that's $25 million. The organization's investing. So if he tells you to do something in his vision, you got to do it. You know, I'm a low man on the totem pole in terms of the grand scheme of things. No control over wins and losses. So I'm just here to try to do what I can for the players. Um, you know, Aaron got a great opportunity to go back to Indiana and you know, it changed the dynamic of what we were doing to the point where I wanted to continue to grow, but I don't know if it was going to happen there. You know, with the changes that came with what the responsibilities that were put on my shoulders, I didn't think that. I was really challenging myself, adding a lot of value. And up until that point, all those, you know, long days, it's 12 to 16 hour days, the majority of the year, when a new coach comes in, it's not like we can, in the off season, Hey, I'm going to go vacation or I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. It's like, well, this new coach doesn't know me. I got to prove myself to him. I can't be asking for more money or time off. You know, that's just what we were experiencing. You know, if we were winning, it'd be a different story. You know, I might have more leverage there, but, um, Yeah, it's always tough, man. Winning's everything. I mean, (laughs) yeah, winning is everything, and also, like it is, like winning games in the NFL is the hardest thing that I've attempted to do in my career. The hardest. We won ten.
0: We've won ten in two years in Carolina. We've had great spurts where you get a two, three in a row. Uh, You have spurts where you lose lose seven in a row, Um, and and even when you think you have one and you have two and you're it's right in your grasp. You know, I don't believe in the whole foot off the pedal situation. I've never done that. You know, I, I get it. I understand the philosophy behind it. They took their foot off the gas. The team came back and won. Well, you know, maybe they did, but it may look like that from afar. But it's never been, you know, it, at least you know. We could dive into a whole that dynamic. We could be here three hours talking about it. I want to touch on a few things you talked about. So, Aaron Wellman was a strength coach of the, uh, of the New York Giants when I was there. When Teak was there, was, I'm assuming Aaron hired you. Yeah. Yeah. So. And a really cool role, just to explain everything to our listeners, because you and I are understanding speaking the same language, but that's the one thing I'm working on now as a media journalist, which is weird to say, as well as a player. Uh, so what Teak's re- referring to is he was a strength coach and he was a nutritionist, which is very rare. And usually, like he's saying, you absorb a role because you're in a building where there's 90 people in the offseason. There's 53 plus whatever, 15 on the practice squad now. So that the team is in influx. So, I mean, Teak could be helping carry and – you know, pamphlets for an op- on operations, you know, to hand out pamphlets to players as they walk into a building with a gallon water jug or whatever it may be. It's an operations role. You're a nutritionist. You're a strength coach. You're, you know, you're everything, really, at, the, at, the, at any, any level. From the head coach down, everyone wears different hats, and some people wear more hats than others. They say in the NFL, the more hats you wear, the less you get paid players and staff members, uh, which is always hysterical, and I thought that was spot on. Uh, the when Teak referred to the restraints of the NFL, one of the main restraints that top popped in your head is the current stage we're in here. And now it's during OTA. So you're a strength coach, you're a nutritionist. You're the meal team with the Giants, which was first class and unbelievable people. You have to figure out how to make an athlete the best they can be. Also meet, go on the field for walkthroughs. Going to the field for practice, conditioning, running. I mean, it it was a shock. When I got to the Giants, I put a bunch of weight on more than I ever have because I was training a certain way. It wasn't because of you, Deke. It's because of me. I was (laughs) training a certain way. And then you get to the NFL and it's like, hey, you got a 30 minute lift. We got a 20 minute run. And then you have a quick, whatever, warm up. And then you go to practice. It's like 30 minutes and then you're off the field. And so it was so much different than college, these long lifts and runs. And you were just burning and burning calories in class all day and walking around campus. Um, so, you know, there's a few things that you touched on there. So explain to me kind of when it is like, I I know your story. I know when you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm time for me to move on, but explain to our listeners that you kind of hit, you kind of hit a wall there and you're like, you know what, it's time for me to move on and and move on from this industry, which is a brutal industry, the coaching industry, period, whatever you're, whether you're a nutritionist, you know, whether you're a coach, GM scouting, it's really tough.
2: It is, it is, you know, like I mentioned before being in that environment, working those 12 to 16 hour days was worth it because I felt like I was growing. I was not only professionally, but also as a person too, you learn a lot about yourself through coaching through sport, regardless of what your role is, whether you're a player, whether you're, you know, front office, whether you're a coach, whether you're support staff. And it got to the point where, you know, when everything shifted in 2020, when the new coaching staff came in, it was like, well, you know, the role that I'm in didn't have that leverage anymore. You know, the momentum was gone. And now it's hard for me to really say like, okay, these 12 to 16 hour days are worth it based on what my responsibilities were at that time. Being away from family, friends, missing, you know, weddings and the birth of my nephews and family reunions, like prior to that happening in 2020, it was all worth it. But now it was like, well, I'm giving up that for something. I don't feel like I'm getting a lot in return. So that's when I, you know, I made that decision to say, look, I think it's time to just get the opportunity to step away you know, get back with family and friends, kind of get my my head clear and figure out, you know, what's the next step, you know, in my evolution, what's going to help me continue to grow, challenge me, and where can I make as much of an impact as I possibly can with everything that I've learned over the past, you know, 10 to 12 years on a larger scale. So doing a lot of evaluation, you know, being pretty critical of the work that I did at each one of the stops that I've been at, talking to former players and coaches that I worked with, like, hey, what was good? What was bad? What was unclear? What did you like? What did you not like? And give, paint me a better picture about how you perceive me and what I could have done differently, and what I potentially can do differently moving forward. Because I still work with you know high level athletes, high level entrepreneurs one on one, so that opens the door to allow me to become better at what I do. Just being open to that criticism and critique, which I think is really really yeah. important, the evaluation piece.
0: And you've always been right. Just again, as my first experience in the nfl and it's funny i'm working with kevin gilbride who i know you know and kevin's kevin was my tight end coach with the giants the bears and now carolina so it's been really cool (laughs) i've had like four tight end coaches in my entire life uh and kevin gilbride's been you know for the bulk of it so it's he's a great man and uh about to become a father so that's awesome and uh so but i digress you know there's that's one thing you've always you know been is open and it's funny the things you learn along the travels of our job. And I'm sorry, I said Kansas, Kansas State. So excuse me. Uh, that's a big mistake out of me there. And that's, that's unacceptable um, off the jump. So my apologies, but um, yeah. So, you know, it's funny. You like learn things along the way and then you kind of forget where they're from, you know, and, and I've always had great nutritionists, but the one thing you always were, we're open and interested and great with our rookie group, which was a fun group. Evan Ingram was our first-round pick there. So, you know, we had a, we had a fun group. I, I love the time up there, and it was a special place for me. And it was funky to go back, I'll be honest with you. When I went back for minicamp a couple of years later, I think you were still there. Yeah, yeah, and it was, just like, weird in the hallways. I'm like, man, I don't know, man. I'm like a new human walking through there. But the reason why, you know, we've, we've stayed in touch, honestly, is through what you're doing on Twitter. You know, and I know you're doing some things off the field, but, you know, what you're doing on Twitter and growing, you know, I don't know if you're sitting here and say, I'm going to grow my brand this way, but you have to follow Teek on Twitter at Pratik X Patel, check them out, obviously go to our Twitter and give them a follow from posting of the, of the insert of the, of our page here, excuse me, of the podcast when it comes out. But where do you start with the ideas for Twitter? You know, these are all your knowledge you've come, you've kind of obtained over the years. I love your approach of like, just pick heavy shit up and put heavy shit down and eat healthy and you know it's it's not barbaric but it's fun and truthful and it's honest and there's some real life stuff in there can you you know talk about your approach because you definitely were you doing this when you're with the Giants
2: no so funny story you, you know how social media for all universities for teams has exploded more recently in the past couple years than when you were in college and you know when I first started in the NFL uh, I was actually in charge of like Oregon's account and I also had a personal account with the Giants, and I always kind of toe the line a little bit—not to the point where it's offensive and blatant. In this, I mean, now you can't really say anything without getting called out, and you know the whole Pitchfork crowd's going to come try to get you and cancel you. But even back then, I wanted to be a little bit different when I was in the college setting. So you know, I would make fun of players, like not anything bad, just kind of poke fun a little bit because I had that relationship with them. And I was told by some of the higher ups there that, hey, kind of watch what you're posting, just make it educational. I'm like, well, if it's just pure education, the players don't care about that. They're not getting on Instagram and Twitter to learn about, you know, physical fitness and health and nutrition and sleep. They scroll. They want to look at what they want to look at what's entertaining to them. And You know, same thing with the Giants. I had my own just personal account and you know there was a head coach that who brought me into his office said hey you know i want to know about what your motivation is and what your angle is about what you're posting and at that time i thought it was pretty clean i think i used an emoji that wasn't satisfactory to him and i was like all right you know back to just specific educational stuff that you know i didn't have it i like maybe a thousand followers and that was mainly just because of the association with the team like nobody really necessarily knows who you are until they spend more time on social media so once you know i didn't have big brother looking over my shoulder it's like look i'm a free man you know so to speak i can say do whatever i want that I'm, I'm comfortable with so i think the interesting thing about social media is it takes time to find your voice like how do you like to post what things do you like to post about what audience are you catering to like what's your niche so mine's mainly like the general consensus is about you know health fitness nutrition but it's also correlated to what I've experienced coaching-wise because I still coach athletes. You know, I still consult with sports teams. I still consult with strength coaches. My biggest following is sport coaches and and performance coaches. Mm -hmm. And what I try to do is just share insights about things that I've learned to help others because I, you know, I, I went through my career without any direct mentors. You know, there are people that I hold in high regard that I've learned a lot from, but it's not like anybody said, Hey, in this situation, do this. This is how I need you to act, you know, this X, Y, and Z. Like all that stuff I had to figure out myself. And, you know, you make a lot more mistakes that way, a lot more foot and mouth moments, things that kind of get you on the hot seat, but you learn and those lessons stick with you as opposed to somebody telling you, and then you get put in that situation. And then you try not to make that mistake again. So I think there's good and bad to that. So I want to share as much as I could, you know, with with the next generation of practitioners, you know, because the thing is with with all industries, you're not going to really change the minds of the people that have been in it for a while. It's trying to hit the next generation for them to be better. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in strength and conditioning, performance, nutrition, all that, you know, colleges, ADs, GMs. It's, it's not going to happen with the people in their positions right now because they hold the power, they got the leverage. So it's trying to, you know, educate everybody and being as open and honest about what I've experienced, the things I've learned and trying not to jump on the bandwagon because it's Like if I would pick sides and be really polarizing, my account would probably be five to 10 times bigger. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've gone through a lot since 2020 and a lot of people pick sides. But for me, I try to be as open-minded as possible. So that's what I, I learned since going to the Giants is breaking out of a very fixed mindset and seeing things from a lot of perspectives and points of view from other staff members, coaches, strength coaches, whomever I'm working with and players too. And that's why I love speaking with a lot of them after leaving the NFL. So I'm like, look, there's so much that I don't know that, you know, and I need to see things from your perspective. So that's why, you know, my account's pretty decent. I like sharing what I do. And the funny thing is I'll get DMs every now and then, like random people saying, hey, your, your account's my favorite on Twitter. I'm like, really? I only post like three times a day. I can post Dude, more. You post
0: a lot, though. Like you post and you hit. You don't just like, I don't know. Like here's a tweet. Here's an example, folks. This is a tweet. Learn, laugh. Get sun, sleep well, lots of sex, lift weights, help others, daily self care, cook healthy foods, get uncomfortable, eliminate negativity, eat plenty of protein, celebrate your wins, prioritize your health, earn massive passive income, spend time with family and friends, finish your year strong. I like, just, you know, you, you post off about coaching experience, uh, you post off about, you know, weight loss, weight gain for athletes. I don't even know which way to go with this, honestly, because there's so much to tackle. And for the 10 minutes we have left, we're not going to be able to tackle it all. And we could tackle it on another day for sure. And we could definitely do a long episode together and we will. But, you know, I guess for me, if you're giving advice to just, you know, a a normal human who's just trying to, you know, get through life, vitamins wise, creatine, like I know the answers, I think, but vitamins wise, creatine, exercise, uh, you know, alcohol, carbs. Can you kind of just paint a broad picture here of, you know, what you think as a nutritionist, in your opinion, that, you know, people should be doing to add some better quality years of life?
2: Yeah. And I think the, the main thing, too, is there, there's so much information out there. It's hard to figure out who's credible and who isn't. So everything that I try to preach has not only, you know, there is some evidence backing behind it, but also like have i been able to implement this stuff with athletes with clients with myself so it's not just oh i heard about this and yeah i'm gonna throw it out there it's like look there has to be a basis for it so a lot of the things that i like to talk about under this general umbrella of health will fall under you know movement and exercise nutrition hydration proper supplementation stress adaptation and management you know your environment all these different things so when i put something out there for the most part it can generally hit you know the majority of the population and then i'll get those those Smart Alex, that say, well, what about this condition? You said everybody, but what about you know this person there? You said every athlete should be eating before early morning training sessions or before you know X, Y, and Z. Like, well, what if they come from a low income household? I'm like, you man, you're 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 picking straws. Uh, Don't go there, man. Don't yeah, be that. Guy. Like, I get it, but I can't make a specific tweet for every single person on the planet. It's like, look, my goal is to get you to either think critically, spur you to action. Do maybe a little bit more uh, lit review, not research. Research means you have to do um, some type of project yourself. But, you know, read what the literature says or rethink your position, because I've done all that. I've rethought a lot of stuff that I was taught in school, what I did early in my career as a coach and practitioner. But when you get thrown in the fire and you actually start working with people and you understand like, hey, this is the real world and everybody is so different. You can't just take what this study said, throw it at somebody and expect the same results because you're not, because there's so many variables you can't take into consideration. So, you know, I'm big pro creatine, all different population groups and ages. If I can get my parents on it, I would. But, you know, standard uh, Indian parents, stubborn, they're not going to do it. You know, high protein, high fiber diets, you know, manipulate your carbs around workouts, you know, eat in uh, a time restricted window. Mainly when you're up, you know, block blue light at night, prioritize sleep, you know, move, move regularly daily. You don't have to get 10,000 steps in per day. Maybe you get 7,000 three days a week. And then next week you get 7,004 days a week. Next week you get 7,005 days a week, uh, lift weights to help, you know, maintain muscle mass and strength, but also don't just be a gym bro, like get your heart rate up, you know, challenge yourself if you can, whether it's on the bike, whether you do sprints, because, all these things contribute to not only longevity, but quality of life. And I think there's so much to it. And those are the things I really like to talk about because it hits not only for athletes, but it hits everybody.
0: Yeah. no but doubt Then you about
2: specify it. it for athletes based on, all right, what sport are they playing? What are the energetic demands? What are they trying to accomplish in this training block? Is it off season, in season, things like that.
0: I love your one tweet. If an NFL player, coach, agent, trainer's idea of hard work in the offseason is in the weight room, then they have e- they are easily mistaken. That's the last place they'll get an advantage uh, and the last area they need to be focusing on. I think this is huge. You know, I shouldn't say for all athletes because a young athlete, right? Again, this is your tweet about NFL players. Yeah. You're in a different phase. So a young athlete listening, well, what do you mean? I shouldn't be in the weight room? No, you should absolutely be in the weight room talking to the high school kids I coach, uh, talking to, right, again, this is, you know, one, two, three lifts a, a week, depending on your basketball schedule, or your softball schedule, or whatever it may be, but what Teak's trying to say, I'm assuming is, I'm not even going to say it, what are you trying to say in that tweet?
2: Yeah, you know, and it's funny, because you see it all on Twitter and Instagram, ESPN picks up, like, oh, so-and-so has this 600-pound squat in the offseason, I'm like, well, he's strong enough. Like you don't need that work. Like if you're in the NFL, you're basically strong enough to be able to play the position for the most part. It's making sure that one, you are healthy first and foremost, because if you don't address any underlying health issues, that stuff over time, as you get older starts compounding and it adds additional stress. It adds an additional stress. So you have more wear and tear and you you know, it more than anybody else. I know it too a lot of these NFL players are not healthy. Like playing football is not healthy. We know this. It's, there's nothing healthy about it at all. That's why there's a short shelf life for the average NFL uh, career it's like 3.6, 3.5 years. Mm-hmm. So you're already strong enough, but guys don't think about, oh, hey, like how am I doing mentally? How am I doing physically? Like what, what's going on internally? Like how are my biomarkers? You know, am, am I healthy? Are my systems working the way they need to? Do I have some issue, a nagging injury that really needs to get worked on and, how much of my habits and behaviors are playing a role with that outside of what I do? You know, in the weight room, it's like am thank I God those food?
0: conversations have started. Though sorry to cut you off, but they're real conversations now. From a player, from a nutritionist, from a strength coach, like I think people are having those conversations now. No,
2: I think they're more aware of it, but at the same time, you know every NFL person in the offseason should have, you know, a support group, you know, Hey, this is where I go to train. This is the person telling me how to, you know, manage stress and sleep. This is the person doing my blood work and helping me like nutritionally to make sure that I'm getting healthy for off season training and OTAs. And then you have your break and then are you getting healthy and are you mentally dialed in and ready for training camp? Because once training camp starts and, you know, fingers crossed, the players on the roster throughout the entire year, like, there's no going back. So if you haven't made any progress in those other areas and you think, hey, my strength and all this other stuff is going to get me through the season, like something's going to happen. You know, you're going to have one, you know, a tweak in a practice, bad night of sleep, travel, you get sick, maybe you get COVID. And then those habits that you haven't developed to fall back on aren't going to allow you to really just burst through and be like, hey, minor setback, but I'm good. Minor setback becomes major setback, and, oh, man, I'm just hoping I don't get cut this year.
0: Yeah, then it's catastrophe. I think the one hardest thing for me, for a guy that was bouncing around in and out of the league, and I'm still end of the bottom of the roster guy, is when I was out, I was constantly training for the to play. There was never, like, a 50% week. I couldn't afford it. So it's been nice to get on that schedule and go – uh, for me as a player you know not that I'm set on the roster but I have a different perspective I'm training differently I can be more acute in how I'm doing it instead of just hey check all the boxes I got a bench this week I got to run this week I got to get x amount of yardage which has been great for my mental headspace too like we've talked about before as we wrap things up here we have a minute or two I think a field that's really going to grow in this industry is where CBD THC where does the weed kind of fall into it i was listening to chris long on bustling with the boys of barstool sports podcast and chris was talking about he was like the first guy in the nfl to be labeled that like smoked weed while they played and it's extremely prevalent and a large population of the week of the league smokes weed or does some sort of edible or something to help them come down after a game it's better than alcohol it's better than biking and i am not a nutritionist but i just you know i'm not speaking from experience either but i think it's happening in the world we live in today, right? People are indulging in those types of things for different health, mentally, physically, and for how combative our sport is. I think it could be a benefit down the road. Do you think something could be down the road where nutrition is like, Hey, listen, you're having problems, problems sleeping. Here you go. Hey, listen, you're having some soreness. Here you go. Hey, listen, uh, we're going to start the recovery process a little earlier for you. You just got on a plane from Seattle and you're flying to Carolina uh, you know, here's something you could take. You could, could you see that being integrated in, in pro sports?
2: I think so. Not not now, but hopefully in the near future. And again, you, you look at what are the benefits of it, what are the drawbacks, and what are the alternatives that players are currently doing. So players are always going to find something, some type of vice, some way to numb the pain. Because again, we just mentioned it. Football is not a healthy sport to play at any level. And the more you, the higher up you go, the more games you play, the more damage you're going to take. And it's going to be harder to be able to find acute ways of mitigating those issues because stress is always going to happen. And it's not just from the field. It's hey, real life family, emotionally, my, you know, fringe roster player. Am I going to worry about getting cut? What am I going to do? So in my mind, it was never, I would never judge a player for doing anything. It's more along the lines of what are you experiencing and going through? And what is it that we can provide you or how can I educate you? on what you could potentially do, knowing your situation, knowing, you know, what kind of data we have objectively to say, these are some alternatives for you. Maybe marijuana is one of them, maybe it's it's edibles, maybe it's THC, uh, maybe in a few more years, it could be microdosing, you know, something like psilocybin, yeah. anything like that. You know, there's thousands of studies on that. So for me, I think those are always things to, to look at. And again, it's super prevalent. It's not going to go anywhere. Prevalent in college too, you know. Yeah, it's 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 part of people's cultures too. Not a, not only just how they grew up, but religiously, like it's a big part of their culture as well. So you're telling these people and these kids to stop. It's like it's it's difficult. It's like telling me to stop lifting and you know eating steak. I'm like, yeah, probably not gonna happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like me telling telling me to stop drinking beer. It's hard. As Matt's laughing in the back <laughs> there, and Teague's on here as well. But no, it's 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 unique. You know, the NFL locker room is a microcosm of society you bring in a, you're bringing in a people from different backgrounds different neighborhoods different parent situations different upbringings different colleges you name it different experiences so take you've always been a great man to me i appreciate you man as the undrafted tight end you treated us all the same even though we had a first round pick and in Evan Ingram that year <laughs> uh thank you brother i'm looking forward to having you back on and uh best of luck with what's next with you man make sure you guys follow teagle on twitter he's a stud All right, as we're bringing in Matt Lombardo here, uh, thanks, Jack, for making this work. Again, thanks to Teak. He's a, he is, uh, I don't want to say one of the good guys in the business because there's a lot of really great people in this business, uh, but he's definitely one of the good guys, one of the you know good people in this business that I've been able to work with, uh, pick their brain, uh, have some fun with, enjoy some laughs, but also uh, you know get some work done along the way. So thanks to Teek Again, Not For Long Media and The Colin Thompson Show is brought to you by the original Fudge Kitchen Matt knows about the original Fudge Kitchen. I'm assuming if he's a Jersey Shore guy, all the way from Ocean City to Cape May, New Jersey, shipping fudge and sweet treats. I don't know if Teak would bless the fudge, but it's really good. And Carolina Panthers were fueled by it during the uh, Christmas holidays last year. So thank you to our friends over at Fudge Kitchen shipping across the country. Matt, what's going on, man?
3: Colin, thanks for having me. And of course, the Fudge Kitchen, that's a a first stop on the Ocean City trip every year. We'll be there uh, later this month at the end of June.
0: Well, there it is, Jack. Just clip that. We can let Matt go now. We got what we needed. Thanks for coming on.
3: (laughs) The the check better be in the mail, too, in addition to the cut. (laughs) Hey, man.
0: Listen, welcome to Not For Long Media. We're big business, big J journalists. So how are you, man? What's going on?
3: I'm doing great, you know, and just trying to navigate the changing landscape of the college football landscape, coming off one of the more thrilling and exciting off seasons we've had in the NFL and, quite some time and get ready to you know catch my breath a little bit and enjoy the summer as I'm sure you are down the shore
0: yeah it's uh it's been quite the year and and you know again follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL he's an NFL reporter he's a diehard Penn State fan and I was I really wanted to talk NIL because it's now become not just a college football issue right it everybody's talking about it right And again it's nil's for all college athletes now people that listen to the show they know about it jack and i talk talk on it every week we we don't even know where to start because (laughs) there's so much to, to tackle and we're going to talk nfl too i know that's your wheelhouse but this is your wheelhouse too as a penn state fan first off can you give us a just an overview of like the penn state football landscape with nil like i know sean clifford has his own thing going we've talked about him on here before and just how proud of I am of him doing that that's impeccable but I know they have some big names I know James Franklin recruits five stars can you talk on some of the things that have come out of there with NIL
3: yeah Colin I really think that Sean Clifford starting up his own NIL collective is kind of one of the more forward-thinking things that I've seen emerge from this movement because here you have a player a starting quarterback at a power five school he says he only made hundred grand in NIL money last year, which was the first year of NIL. And I say only because you only. look around the landscape and you look at the Jordan Addison deal, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. You look at what's happening at Texas A&M. You look at what's happening at USC and some of these other Power 5 schools. But, you know, Sean Clifford goes out, can't find an agency that's going to service his needs. So him and his brother, Penn State wide receiver Liam Clifford, they decide to launch their own collective and they're going to take a 15% cut on any deals that are made for any of their clients on top of looking for deals for themselves. And I think that that's going to be one of the trends that comes out of this because, you know, I think you and I are on the same page that it's great to see college athletes finally get a piece of this multi-billion dollar pie that formerly was going to the universities and the coaches and the players now are getting their piece but it's good to see the players kind of actively going out and finding those pieces of the pie themselves as Sean Clifford is. And, you know, you mentioned James Franklin. I think that he's always been one of the more ardent recruiters, one of the more successful recruiters in the country. And I think that this new contract, the $10 million extension that he signed back in November or December, I think that's going to open up some new doors and some new avenues and kind of unlock some of the alumni money from the Penn state alumni association to kind of pour into the program in ways that it hadn't in past years and past decades.
0: Guys follow Matt on YouTube at Matt Lombardo, nine seven five. Again, check out the YouTube awesome stuff about NFL college football, you name it, bunch of Eagles stuff. I know we have a huge Eagles listening. So yeah, there's a lot to digest there. And I think, you know, the one thing you talk about is a guy like James Franklin. Like he is, right? He's a recruiter. He's a recruiter. He's a great football coach, but he is known in football as a recruiter. He did it at Vanderbilt when things are really tough there, right, academically. Turned that program around and he's done it at Penn State. He's had some great players come through there. He's had some great NFL players pop out of there. Bunch of guys drafted again this year. And again, I applaud guy like Sean Clifford. Like this is what, needs to be done. So I need, I, I I wonder, you know, again, we're going to talk about Deion Sanders here. And this is what you and I talked about, you know, in all the great points you brought up via text is Deion's whole thing is, Hey, listen, we don't have the staff here. There's people don't have the staff to support this. And my number one complaint or thought going into this was great. I'm for NIL. Awesome. But what does the NCAA do to put some restrictions on it? So it kind of stays in, in this little area. I'm not saying it needs to be here, but like it stays around the, you know, just, Think outside the box, but not too far outside the box here, where it just turns into just what it's become, free agency. And do do you you have a lawyer? Do you have a financial advisor? Like this is now you're making a hundred grand a year as an 18, 19, 20-year-old. Are the schools supplying that? Are the schools vetting those people? Are they charging the players? Does that is that a percentage? You got to write a check back to the school. Who writes the check back? Does the player know how to write the check? So, right, and that's real. Like So these are all the questions that we brought up on our show. And there's so many hurdles to go about it. You know, you brought up Dion via text. What are your thoughts on how Dion's handling it at Jackson State?
3: Yeah, I think that Dion is in this unique situation in that he's at an HBCU school, which good for him turning that program around and putting HBCUs kind of back on the map in terms of college football because of what he's built and building at Jackson State. But I think that, you know, some of the deals that he's able to bring in because of who he is and the Geico money that's flowing in from the commercials that he's doing with Nick Saban. And who wouldn't want to? Let's be honest, Colin, you know, you probably have a couple of years on me, but in 10 years time, 15 years time, if, if my son is sitting across the living room from Deion Sanders, I'm in the wheelhouse. I'm in the age where Deion Sanders is winning Super Bowls for the 49ers, you know, star Pro Bowl caliber player for the Dallas Cowboys. It's Deion Sanders. So that's going to be a tough coach to, to beat when you're sitting in those living rooms. And I think that that's one of the advantages that Dion has. And I'm gonna be really fascinated to see how long he stays at a place like Jackson State or will Florida State come knocking and bring home their favorite son? Will another you know, high profile school come knocking and see what he's building and think, we have even more infrastructure, we have even more resources, that we can take this even to another level with Dion. So it's not just what he's building at Jackson State, but I think it's going to become the blueprint for how a lot of these major programs tackle NIL. And you brought up something interesting about free agency there, Colin. You know, I think the NCAA has kind of lost control of this already because I don't jogger. think they anticipate yeah right I don't think they anticipated any of this I thought that their big goal and their big dream was we'll get the partnership with EA Sports we'll get the video game back we're going to sell 100 million copies because everybody's going to wa- want to buy NCAA football for PlayStation 5 and you know all the game systems because we grew up on it right and it's the most popular college and NFL basically the most popular football video game that we've ever seen, we're going to give the players a cut of it. And, you know, Hey, that's great. You know, some car dealerships, they might, you know, spend some money, maybe some pizza shops, they'll spend some money, but it's turned into kind of legalizing the quote unquote bagman at these marquee <laughs> universities where the alumni can just throw a bunch of money at these players before they're even in the transfer portal. And it becomes like free agency. And there doesn't really seem to be any framework for how to navigate it. And I'm all for, you know, free agency in theory in college sports, but I think there's still just like in pro sports need to be some sort of regulation on when you can contact these players. I think they should at least at minimum have to be in the transfer portal before you can reach out to them or else it's going to be a free for all. And you're going to really see programs struggle to keep marquee talent in
0: place. It is a great point. And we're going to get to the marquee talent point about transfers. I think when you go back to what Dion's situation is, as someone who's coached high school football now, and and I've been involved in it in Cape May regional for four or five years at this point in time. And I love it. It's, it's become like my kind of a addiction away from football and away from like a Netflix TV show. I love helping the program out. It's been really fun for me. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's been great. So like for that level, but Dion, I feel like I could really see him staying there because my point is with the high school athlete, you have a huge impact. If he goes to Florida state, he has a big impact. But the impact is, like, we need you to win national titles. At Jackson, he could go 500 every year. And you know what? Really change some people's lives. And at the end of the day, like, I know people don't want to hear the hunky-dory shit, but it's like, you know what? Change some people's lives, right? Stuff that actually really matters. Now, I'm someone who's in this game for stuff that is just hunky-dory and fun. No, I want to win championships. I want to win. I want to play in the NFL for as long as I can. I'm super competitive. But my point is, I could see him staying at a Jackson State where he's comfortable, creates some uncomfort with the players, can recruit some guys, can put some players on a pedestal, can find a way to get them paid because him branding-wise with Barstool, with Aflac, with all the people he's with, he can bring you. He's probably sponsored by half a dozen uh, gambling sites too, right? I don't even know. It seems like every pro, pro athlete's on a gambling site now. So I digress on that. The one thing I want to touch on, though, is transfers because imagine you go to Jackson State. Right? We're going to use Jackson State, for example. And your buddy down the road at LSU, who you've grown to be a better player than, that player's never even stepped on the field in Baton Rouge yet. Say they're, a fr- they're about to be a freshman and you're a junior and you're all-conference. He's getting 150000 a year to ride the bench and you're making zero to be an all-conference player. I don't know if I blame the player for transferring. That's the new landscape of football.
3: No, and I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Uh, you know, I no. think that, that, you know, we've seen a free market system developed for coaches. We've seen coaches that leave before their regular season ends. We've seen coaches leave between the regular season ending and a non-college football playoff bowl game kicking off. And I think that if you're a player who has a limited shelf life, I mean, we're on not-for-long media, so you get it. You know, you understand the, the landscape and the timeline And the limited amount of time that you have to maximize your skill set. Well, if you can, if you're at Jackson State and you're not making a dime and you get called up by Texas A&M to come and be the second string running back for $75,000, I have a hard time arguing with the kid at Jackson State taking the money and running because not only does it position you closer to the NFL playing at a marquee program. You're putting $75,000 in your pocket where if you tore your ACL the next day, you're probably not going to see that money anywhere where it's a sure thing at these bigger programs. So it's going to change college sports. And I think that, you know, it's going to impact the the Division One programs and even more so the Power Five programs. But I think you're going to see even the lower rungs of football you know, your division twos, it's going to be different than it is now, for sure. You're going to have a different caliber of athlete there than they would have been possibly getting previously.
0: No, it's, it's some great points. And the NIL talk is never ending. Is it right? Is it wrong? I think most people can agree that it's somewhat right to get players some, you know, a pie of pizza and, you know, maybe a flight home in the summer and all these awesome things that you get to do if you're, excuse me, if you're a normal working class person, but You know, you get the scholarship, too. There's just so much to unwrap with it. I just hope that they're getting support and they're getting protection by universities. I really do. My biggest fear is the parody that, hey, you know what? You have success as a young player somewhere else at a temple, and now I'm going to transfer out to go to a bigger school, and that stinks for a temple, which I was a part of, where there were so many great players that stuck with it, grinded through it, great coaches, success in all levels of football, and we built some really strong teams there, kind of grassroots with local players that now are littered throughout the NFL, dozens. But, you know, it's unique. I think that's the one thing that's going to really hurt it the most. I think, too, this is some barroom talk, and this is what actually some people at the View in Cape May, New Jersey, our little hometown watering hole there, have I've talked to about. And, uh, you know, my buddy Scotty, and it's a tremendous opportunity for the Ivy League. And I think, yeah. it, you know, for me, the Ivy League should play in the spring. I really think they should play in the spring. It would get some really big eyes on it. It would be on TV. I'm sure gambling would find their way in, and I'm sure there'd be somehow, some way, some NIL involved in it down the road for those guys too. But I digress. It's neither here nor there. It could, talk they could in-
3: almost become a feeder program for the group of five and the power of five schools if they played in the spring, in the yeah. same way that the NFL is kind of hoping that the USFL, or specifically who they have a deal with the XFL, to be a developmental league. You know, you've seen players transfer out of Harvard, transfer out of Ivy League schools and go to Division One programs. I kind of love the idea of putting it in the spring and that's programming. And if, if there's NIL money, and I'm sure there is from alumni of these Ivy League schools, mm-hmm. attractive, they play a year or two at Harvard or Princeton or Yale, wherever. And perhaps they go on to bigger and better things at the Power Five level. And who knows from there? You could launch some dreams.
0: You could. You could, there's, you know, it would be unique too, for the D one double to do that too. A little different quality of football. I I would, I would probably, some people are rolling over in their graves here and that, but <laughs> I think it'd be interesting. I don't know. It just, it's, it's such a big business now, right? You, you and I are here talking you're involved. It, it's just incredible. The sports business let's transfer to the NFL. Uh We have to talk about the Eagles, right? We have to, I think it's uh there's, it's the only thing to for our listeners want to hear now I'm kidding, but we have a lot of big Panthers, uh you know, following which i'm very thankful for we also have a big eagles and ravens following i want to touch on the eagles though i've, al- I've always said it. i think their team's really good uh, i think their team has stud players in key positions starting in the f- offense and defensive line they obviously upgraded their defensive line with- through the draft with one of the biggest humans if not the biggest human i've ever seen in my life at the maxwell football club uh the gentleman out of georgia why is his name slipping my mind matt lombardo help me out here nicobe dean Thank you. The
3: linebacker?
0: No, no, no. The Jordan D-linebacker. Davis. There oh, you Jordan go, Davis, Jack. Yep. Jack in the back. Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis. Thank you, buddy. Uh, J- Jack. He won defensive player of the year, uh, Jordan, at the Maxwell Awards, and I was there this year, and the guy's are legitimately a house. Um, I digress. Uh, thoughts on the Eagles this year? Thoughts how they did in the draft? Uh, what to expect?
3: Yeah, Colin, I think the Eagles and Howie Roseman, they were one of the biggest winners in the NFL draft, in my opinion not just because they got Jordan Davis in round one, but you look at the the trade for A.J. Brown, and that obviously been in the works for several days, if not several weeks, before the draft got underway because they signed it to a $100 million extension within an hour of that deal coming to fruition. And I just think that they've done everything possible this offseason, not only on defense by getting a couple of really dynamic front seven players to the draft, but signing one of your former teammates, Hassan Reddick, Comes home to Philadelphia. He arrives with the fourth-ranked pass rush win rate in the NFL. Comes to his hometown. So he's going to be motivated to go out there and put on a show on that Eagles defense. But you drop A.J. Brown into that offense that already had Dallas Goddard, that already had Devonta Smith after a dynamite rookie year. You have Miles Sanders in the backfield. and, And it feels like this team now has a floor of 10 or 11 wins. If Jalen Hurts just plays as well as he did, In his first year as a starter, if he takes the leap, great. Maybe they win 12 or 13 games. Maybe you, you know, get a couple of home games in the playoffs. Maybe you win the division, but if he doesn't, they have two first round picks next year to be real players in the veteran quarterback market. If hurts disappoints and they feel they have to go get a quarterback or to move up and get one of the top quarterbacks in next year's draft class. So I really think that Howie Roseman and the Eagles have really done a great job of maximizing their draft capital this year with an eye towards the future to build a team that has a pretty wide window, regardless of if the quarterback winds up being this year or next.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. Fletcher Cox, came back on a one-year deal. Kelsey on a one-year deal. You know, they played great last year. Obviously, Kelsey was first-team All-Pro. Yeah. Uh, He could play probably for another five years if he wanted to, just the type of player he is. Who knows if he wants to. Uh, Guy's an absolute stud. The team's unique, you know, unique shape. And, you know, it's weird. You know, people say, oh, you talk about the Eagles, you talk about the Ravens, Pants. I talk about them all because – I covered the Eagles. I did between my time in and out of the NFL. I did Eagles post game live. It was weird. Like, I pre game live, I, we were playing the Eagles last year. I like knew everyone's first name. I knew the whole <laughs> roster. I knew pros and cons. Ended up being my worst NFL game, Matt. So that's not a great spot to make. Uh, funny enough, of all things. And um, thought I had a good mindset going into it. Just the ball didn't bounce the way I thought it was going to bounce. And that's the NFL, man. Well, hey, you. it happens. Yeah, that's the NFL. Exactly. Um, so, Let's transition to the Ravens because there's a big contract waiting over Lamar's head. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that situation? What do you do if you're the Ravens?
3: You know, this is really fascinating to me because for whatever reason, Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. And I think that that's really hurting him through this process because here you have a guy who was an MVP unanimously. So voted the MVP probably one of the five to 10 most gifted quarterbacks in the entire NFL, the track record is there. You know, he's young, but then you talk to people inside the league, you talk to other executives and other coaches, and there's a real concern because of his style of play that he's going to get banged up, that he's not going to be able to stay healthy. And as much as he made significant strides last year as a passer, we haven't seen him do that in the biggest spots in the biggest games. But my point here, Colin, is that if he had an agent you could be back channeling these conversations. You could be negotiating the deal through the media. If he decides not to hold out, the questions aren't going to him directly first. They're getting pointed to the agent. He's getting advice on how to answer those questions. And I think that it's kind of doing him a disservice, kind of like we talked about on the NIL front about these players not having maybe the most sound advice from their programs or their universities, I don't know that Lamar's getting the soundest advice on how to negotiate this extension. And if you're the Ravens, You know, you kind of have a little bit of leverage here because you're you're coming at this from the side of the table of someone who's negotiated long term extensions, negotiated long term contracts. You understand this process a lot better than Lamar Jackson does. So I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how this plays out for Lamar and what kind of deal that he winds up ultimately signing if he signs one. Because, you know, Huntley came in last year, Brett Huntley came in last year and, you know, took the Packers to the wire in that game. And I think it raised some eyebrows, do we need to pay Lamar Jackson 125 million dollars or do we go and try to go back to the well in the NFL draft in a year or two and try to get ourselves a Joe Burrow, a Patrick Mahomes or a Justin Herbert because those seem to be the guys that Josh Allen's that if you don't have one of those top 3 or 4 quarterbacks in the league, it's going to be real tough to win a Super Bowl in today's NFL.
0: Today's NFL. Is absolutely crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like there's chatter of like, and you're not, and you're right on it. I mean, right. Uh, whatever, what, what a lot of smart people in football are saying that the Ravens could move on from Lamar Jackson. Like we're talking a generational talent, a talent when it comes to mobility and arm strength that we haven't seen since Michael Vick, one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. One of the most well-known quarterbacks in NFL history changed the game, changed how they the, literally how the game is played defensively because of guys like Mike. Um, made offensive coordinators become more innovative because they could do more yeah. uh, just speaking to a, a guy like Marty Morningweg and Skyler his son and I were roommates in college and got to know Marty a little bit and just how you know how he coached Mike and how he did things and Mike you know obviously coming out of prison and then coming to the Eagles and kind of revitalizing his career and his you know his his self and his image and um, you know, did a lot of has done a lot of really good things in the community. Uh, just knowing some things that Mike's son, I'm off the rails per usual. But neither neither here nor there, Matt. So the one thing that you, I I'd love that you text me. I'm like this one, you know, Matt's a football guy. <laughs> like, Matt's not just like the media guy. You know, he's like, let's talk about the Jags. Right when they made all their signings of their free agents they made a lot of really good quiet signings. They made some big signings like signing Sheriff out of Washington. I think the one thing that's a huge blow though, is losing Linder who retired early. He was one of the best, if yeah. not the best center in the NFL. He's really good. Like that's why I hate PFF. And I, you know, I just hate it. Cause I'm like, this guy is the best center in the league. One of them. And he's not even in the top five, top 10, like ratings in PFF. I'm like, I don't know. I can't do it. I can't do it sometimes, yeah. Matt, even though it's, sometimes it's good stuff and I like the graphics and I think it's good for fans to see that. So losing Linder's brutal. Sheriff, you sign a guy like Evan Ingram, they have a really good tight end room. I played with Chris Mannher. the best blocking tight end I've ever seen. Uh, a guy like Dan Arnold who we traded from Carolina to Jacksonville for C.J. Henderson. Dan's an unreal, unreal receiving tight end. And then Evan's in there now. They signed some receivers. They have a stud quarterback. They have a a running back coming off of injury from uh, Etienne and Clemson. Uh, They have – let's see. Who's my guy from Temple? They have some studs. They have some absolute studs. So uh, uh, what are your thoughts on Jacksonville?
3: And maybe most importantly, they hired Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson. uh, There you go. I, I, I look at Doug Peterson as having the perfect temperament and maybe the perfect fit both for the Jacksonville market and for that young roster, because you look at the 2017 Eagles, you know, Colin, you think back to Carson Wentz's rookie season in 2016. I was on that beat. And, you know, there were days in practice where you watched Carson Wentz throw when you're like, wait, they traded up to take this guy number two overall. And then all of a sudden the following year, John Filippo, the Eagles quarterback coach at the time, and Doug Peterson completely rebuilt Carson Wentz's throwing motion completely rebuilt that offense from year one to year two. And until he shredded his ACL in week 14 or week 15, whatever it was, Carson Wentz was the leader in the clubhouse for the NFL MVP award. And I look at Doug Peterson going into that situation where he has a quote unquote generational talent in Trevor Lawrence, at quarterback. You mentioned Evan Ingram, but I love the couple of signings they made at receiver. The Christian Kirk deal, people are going to say they massively overpaid and maybe they did. But, Colin, you talk to people inside the league, they love Christian Kirk. They think that he's a guy who's just about to break out, that he has all the speed to be a game-changing weapon. Zay Jones is a speedster. He only dropped three passes combined each of the last three years. And you have Evan Ingram, who was in desperate need of a change of scenery from New York, but as a former first-round pick. Now in an offense, where you saw what Doug Peterson did for the likes of Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard in Philadelphia, and it just feels like, especially in that division – where I'm not all that high on the Tennessee Titans. I still think there's question marks about Indianapolis, even with Matt Ryan at quarterback. It really feels like the Jaguars are one of those teams that they get to play the Houston Texans twice a year. You know, they might stack six division wins or so and be in the mix, maybe to win that division in this this second season of Trevor Lawrence. And if that's the case, get him some playoff experience. Who knows from there a year or two down the line? So I don't know that they're a team that wins 11, 12, 13 games but they can win nine or 10 in that division. And to me, they have the talent to be one of those surprise teams this fall.
0: And you're going to sneak some teams that are going to get down there in September and October, and it's going to be 90 degrees and stinky right. North Florida. And you know, that, that always happens, right? New England always goes to Miami earlier in the year. And it's like, Oh boy, here we go. How uh, big a
3: deal is that? Cause obviously you've played in those situations, but I'm always fascinated when Buffalo goes down to Miami or, New England has to go to Jacksonville or Miami, even with Tom Brady. And, and it seemed like they get caught off guard by the heat and humidity and everything that goes into it. So as a player, how big a deal is that?
0: I'll, let, let me go back and change my previous mistake. It's Raquel Armstead, who's a temple product Jersey product, who, who is the backup running back there. And is a good player, had, had some tough battles with COVID, but he's back. I love Bakker for temple. Great guy. So, yeah i mean the weather thing that's the first thing i look at at the schedule to be honest do we have any weather yeah. games right like this year we go to seattle in december that's like our big one but other than that like last year we went to buffalo and we had good weather in buffalo in december we went to green bay we had good weather in green bay in december so we've been fortunate we went to miami right before the bye week i would say like week 12 that was fine obviously right it was like perfect fall day but it's a big deal i think you know, I think there's a fine line of like coaches making it a bigger deal than it really is. It's like, I'm going to do my hydration. I'm going to prepare. It's good to have that practice early in the season any anyway of what to expect and what's to come. So it's a great question back, Matt, of like, okay, like are the coaches and nutritionists and like everyone's freaking out because we're going to play just Miami just for, you know, or Tampa or whatever. Uh, Jacksonville. Uh, so. Yeah, it's really – it's a great question, but I, I don't think it's – I think it's a big deal, yes. Obviously, you see teams go down there and struggle in the heat with cramping, et cetera, but now there's so many things like IVs, and there's not just like the normal IV that you can get at the – like that you get at the hospital. You can go and get extra B12s and all these different vitamins and IV we had Teak on earlier. Should have asked him that. But, <laughs> yeah, there's more to it now. There's more sports science now than ever. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't cramped before by playing football, but if you prepare and you're a pro – Cramping is way less likely than if you're unprepared and you're not a pro. I don't yeah. know if that answers the question.
3: No, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, so it's just like your job, man. We just got to run around. Yeah. Ours is on TV, and we just—I get chased by big people for a living, so it's okay. It, <laughs> it pays well yeah. and allows me to talk to people like you.
3: Yeah, fortunately, I don't have to get hit by you know 300 pound offensive linemen or 280 pound linebackers coming at me at full
0: speed. I'll leave that. I'll leave that to the
3: real warriors <laughs> like you.
0: As we wrap things up again, Matt Lombardo, follow him at Matt Lombardo NFL. Check out his uh, YouTube page as well; some fun stuff on there. Okay, I had uh, a quick
1: question actually for Matt before we move. Go on ahead, Matt. Jack. I was yeah, going to ask. Cool.
0: I was going to ask an NFL question, but you're, you I probably have a better question.
1: Me. Well, Matt, thank you for being on time today. Have you still been on time with practice <laughs> in New York?
3: You know what's really funny about that is I'm waiting for the moment when you know, Brian Dable was five or six minutes late and I can kind of throw it back at you and say, Hey, you know, we we try to be on time here. Right.
0: I (laughs) forgot about that. That's good. Can you explain that story, Matt?
3: Yeah, Pick on the guy with the 90 minute commute each way. You know, that that's (laughs) real easy for Brian Dable to do on a morning where I don't know if you have kids, Jack, or you, I know you have kids Colin, but you know, uh, my daughter, no. Okay. All right. Well then I get to explain how rough was. my daughter You know, you try to wrangle them to get to Nana's house for the day. And that's like a 25-minute drive from here. And, of course, you walk in her bedroom. I want to take this toy, that toy, this toy. And you're on a schedule. You got to go. You got to go. So drop her off at my mom's. Hit traffic, of course, on the way. And, you know, I thought that I would be slick and just kind of like sneak in the back and stand in the back away from everybody. But, of course, you know, his first introductory press conference notices everything. And I guess the mistake was not sitting down in a chair and blending in. You know, that was on me. But, you know, you do your best you can when you're commuting that far into the teeth of North Jersey traffic, you know, on a Monday. or whatever. Literally
0: into the teeth. Yes. When we would finish with the Giants, man, I would hightail out of there to the Jersey Shore, and I would just be like a cluster, man, trying to get Parkway South, just dying to get to the Jersey Shore and just get away for a little bit.
3: Try try going north at, like, you know, 9 a.m.
0: Nightmare. Nightmare. Matt Lombardo, guys, check out his YouTube, check out his social media. I guess before we wrap up, my last question is who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? Other than the Carolina Panthers.
3: Other than the Panthers. Man, you're putting me on the spot here. But I feel like this is the year the Bills break through, doesn't it? You look at Josh Allen. You look at everything they've done. They take James Cook in the second round, really rounding out a dynamic running back core. They have Stefan Diggs. They have a dominant defense. You get Von Miller. You pluck Von Miller out of the sky and drop him into that front seven. You know, I, I think the Bills make a run. And in the NFC side of the things, I think it's really wide open. I think you take, a you know, teams like the Packers, teams like the maybe the Niners, teams like the Buccaneers, and then the Eagles are probably in that next tier, you shake a hat, pull names in a hat, shake it up, and pick one out. But I think the Bills get it done this year. I think they are my early pick.
0: They have a lot of great players. Fans, bucket list place to go watch a game. Fun. It's a smaller version of Green Bay. Green Bay is just so historic. Yeah. Buffalo was so cool, though. It was, like, snowing a little bit. People are, like, flipping us off while they're brushing the teeth and going to the bathroom outside. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is exactly – uh, Ryan Bates, a buddy of mine from Marshall Wood. He's their sure. left guard. Um, Deion Dawkins, Temple, Tyler Medikevich. So I was friends with Mitch Trubisky. Now he's in Pittsburgh. Got to see Mitch last year. Um, so, yeah, it's a good, interesting pick. It's a good pick. They're a good football team. So, Matt, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it.
3: Really enjoyed it, Colin. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, Jack. Let's, let's, uh, let's wrap things up here again. Thanks to Matt Lombardo, guys. Check out his social media, his YouTube. A great guy. Someone who I've been uh, you know, on the airwaves with now around the Philadelphia area and a really smart man, covers the Giants, has covered the Eagles, is covering all the NFL. Uh, really good at what he does. All right, Jack, we ran long, which is fun. That's how we do it here. And uh, we got a lot of good stuff. Again, thank you to our sponsors, the original Fudge Kitchen, fudgekitchens.com. Jack, hit us with your NBA playoffs, brother. What do you got for us? Talk about this series briefly, your predictions.
1: I mean, first off, it was a really great game seven. I don't know if you caught that Celtics heat game seven, right down to the wire. The The Celtics were ahead big for a while. Miami made an insane late push. All came down to a wide open Jimmy Butler three. He was wide open, would have given them the lead with very few time, very little time on the clock, and he missed it. Boston moves on. Everyone gave him a lot of flack for it, but, I've seen Jimmy fit, hit those shots so often in Philly. That's just the contested three. I mean, that's just what he's good at. He's only like a twenty-some three-point shooter on average. But when you put that in clutch time in the playoffs, that shoots up to like 50% for him. So, I mean, he was fine with it. Miami was fine with it. it sucked. But Golden State is just a machine. Gary Payton, who's arguably their best defender on the perimeter, probably their second-best defender behind Draymond Green, is a game-time decision for game one which is impossible seeing how he – literally broke his elbow in the first round and he's already back. That is a war literally in the sense, a warrior right there. And it's great to see him. I mean, he channels so much of his dad on the defensive side of things. Uh, He's really been great. He's in a contract year. So he's fighting to prove that he is worth a long-term hefty contract from golden state or another team. So just great for him and golden state. I mean, I don't see a world in which golden state doesn't win this playoffs. It just seems like it is theirs to win. I tweeted out the other day, it just seems like it's the silver silver medal match was the Eastern Conference Finals in 1992 Olympics. It's just battling out to see who gets the right to get crushed by the Dream Team, really. That's that's what I saw the Eastern Conference Finals as.
0: Well, you know me, I have zero comment on the NBA. I need to get into a little bit more. We've been moving the last couple of weeks, so I shouldn't say I have zero comment. My weekdays are consumed by podcasting, studying my playbook, uh, not in any order, studying my playbook one, podcasting, watching NHL playoffs when I have a little shot at it, uh, watching a little Queen of the South with my wife, and then you know going to bed and just rinse and repeat, and then moving on the weekends. We don't have a TV yet, so <laughs> we don't even have Wi-Fi yet. So I, I'm not, I can't really watch games per se. I watched a little bit of the Celtics Heat game out of the corner of my eye the other day. So I'm not as much of a hater as I used to be. It's getting good now, this is, but but it should have been good four rounds ago. Now I like the Sixers series. There were some good series in the NBA. You know, I'm always going to give a shit. So, so you like I mean, the Warriors? Talk
1: about not having a TV. It still seems like you had an exciting weekend. We saw if you don't, if not on the TikTok, fair follow Colin on TikTok, Colin Thompson T E. You were caught in the pits, Mister Thompson, at the Coca-Cola awesome. 600.
0: Yeah. So first off, and and this was gonna this is gonna be leading the next week. Don't knock anything. to you try, folks? And I and I and I mean that when it comes to sporting events, wholeheartedly. You're not a hockey fan. Go to a hockey game. You don't know anything about NASCAR. You have zero interest. Go to a NASCAR race. Soccer, learn how to watch it. I used to hate it. Now I love it. Tottenham with the big signing this week. Absolutely. Really. I'm all in on the Premier League. I'm learning about the Championship League, the Champions League, all these different leagues. Now I love it. (laughs) It's been it's been a blast. Like I'm dialed in on my shirts. Like literally I'm buying jerseys, hats, you name it. I'm like all in. I'm super fan. NASCAR race. We're going to get into this more next week, but shout out to the Dylan brothers for just absolutely being so nice. The Panthers organization broken us up with a few different things. We were in the pits for the NASCAR race. We were literally just extremely intimate with the whole process in the 20 by 20 yard square, 20 feet by 20 foot square that is right in the pit. It's literally in the pit. They're lighting tires on fire. They are rolling gas tanks by us, rolling tires by us, and just like, oh, yeah, move to your left, move to your right. So extremely gracious to people in the NASCAR industry. Everyone was so nice. The fans, you know, just it was this a tremendous event. And I've heard people just rave about it. You don't want to hear everyone. And I've never heard one person say like, oh, a NASCAR race, that's not fun. Or if you're a NASCAR fan, they're like all into it, right? It's like soccer, Premier League. There's a reason why. Obviously, we know the core four and baseball and basketball, football, hockey, but Tip the cap. We're going to get to that next week as we're running shorter on time here, but absolutely fun, fun times. And uh, yeah, Jack's, uh, you know, we threw that up on on uh, on the TikTok and it, it was a great time, man. It really was. Okay, let's transition to the NHL playoffs So we wrap things up here. Rangers versus the Lightning. Avalanche versus the Oilers. Rangers beat the Canes. Lightning won so long ago, I don't even remember who they played. They played the Florida Panthers. The Avalanche, I mean, an unbelievable series. Shout out to St. Louis. I mean, that team is good, 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 good. That's how good the Avalanche are. They beat a really good team, a playoff team, a, a tested team who lost their goalie and B- Binner. I can't even say his name. I never have. Binner. And then, it's uh, not Hosa, but he popped in that. I forget his name for the Blues, a good goalie. But the Oilers, right? I think that's the story of it, right? They're the team that's really top-loaded with Trisoddle and McDavid and they have the goalie who's like 40. They have a couple decent players on the back end, but they're not really that deep. Well, boom! They beat the Flames, who was like one of the best teams in the NHL last year, have absolutely studs throughout the entire lineup. So fantastic work by the by the the uh, Oilers. And you know, I think it's going to be hard not to pick them against the Avalanche, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm going to take the Avalanche in six. I think the the Oilers will be exposed by this team. I'm not saying they're not going to win games. I'm not saying it's not going to be close. I'm not saying McDavid's not going to pull Michael Jordan, LeBron James, throw the team on the back, take him to victory. I think he's going to do that. I think he's going to steal two games from him, maybe in Edmonton. But Colorado's legit. Th- this is a non – this is not, you know, the Flames are good. Don't get me wrong. They have a Vesna candidate goalie. They have, you know, studs up front and Gaudreau. They have tons of players. Kachuk. But we saw the Avalanche play in person. They're loaded. They're absolutely loaded. So I'm going to go with the Avalanche in six. I've been saying in six a lot, but I just think the Avalanche have too much talent. I think this is their time to win, and the time is now. And I think the Rangers are going to lose the Lightning in – I think the the Lightning are going to sweep them. I think the Lightning are going to sweep them. I think the Lightning needed the rest. I think they wanted to sweep them, like I talked about on the podcast the other day. I thought the Lightning said, you know what? We have the Sunday game and then a Monday game, back-to-back games, which was weird by the NHL. I don't know why they did that, but they played them back-to-back games in the playoffs. I think that was advantageous to the Lightning. You win game three, every game is close. Vasilevsky was unbelievable. I think they gave him the chance to empty the tank on a Monday. Like, hey, listen, guys, just one more go. Just give it all you got. Let's go steal this game. If they didn't win that game, I think it's scary. He goes back to Florida and they had a quick turnaround and you never recover as much. So I think the lightning sweep, I think the Avs win in six. And I think the Stanley Cup, which we'll get into here in two weeks, is going to be absolutely crazy. And really the two teams that everyone circled to start the season.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna continue my wave. I mean, I've been pushing Edmonton the entire time. Star power wins all. I mean, I'm looking. I've been watching these games. I mean, to you, Colin? You're the one that like you. You're the only person that's been in my ear saying watch these playoffs, and I've really been hooked. And it's been Evander Kane has been on a tear for Edmonton. These unreal, last of absolutely unreal. Had the hat trick, the one night, two goals, the next. I just think. I mean, the fall, if you talk about Star Town, you always like think of the teams almost like I hate to bring in basketball, but like the Sixers is like. Well, they had four great superstars, and then the rest of their bench was horrid, and that's why they lost. But, I mean, you're looking at Edmonton Nugent Hopkins, former Flyer. I believe he has a Flyers connection. I think he was a four Flyer. He was a draft pick of a Flyer. But he's been doing well. I mean, defense has been very well. I'm all in on Edmonton. And Tampa Bay, like you said, is just a runaway, tra- runaway runaway, train. I just don't see how anybody comes close to stopping them, let alone New York. I think Tampa is going to get that 3 Pete. At the end of the day, that's we'll talk about that when it comes there. But I'll say I'll flip it on you. i will going to say Oilers and six Lightning sweep. sweep
0: okay. Lightning sweep, okay. sweep. keep it right on, on, what's going to happen in Carolina? Carolina is a good team. Excuse me, they have a ton of talent. They shuffle around some goalies. They've shuffled around some players. Rob brindamore has been there for a little bit. He's one of the most coveted coaches in the NHL. I'm not saying they're going to move on from him. They've been known to be a little bit more of a physically responsible um, NHL franchise for lack of better term. So we'll see what they do, but if Brittany Moore comes available, I'm sure the flyers will back the Brink truck up for him. He was a diehard, you know, loved as a flyer, loved as a, as a cane as well. When a Stanley cup there, when the flyers traded him away. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens again. I, I appreciate you, Jack, some good NBA stuff, some good NHL stuff, Jack and all our team do a fantastic job we touched on a few things today. We touched on UNC Women's Across. Again, congrats to you guys and the Aldave family and that whole you know, family there. Uh, it's been fun for me to be a part of the Women's Across community through my wife, through our friends, kind of following it. And it's really cool, a community to be a part of. Again, really appreciate uh, Pratik Patel. Teek, we called him with the Giants for joining us. Former Giants nutritionist great follow on twitter and so is matt lombardo at matt lombardo nfl nfl reporter does a great job we talked nil we talked nfl we talked transfers then we got to talk a little nhl a little nba so again jack covering all the bases um yeah great times man i appreciate you joining us all your work of
1: course another great episode today
0: colin. yep the colin thompson show the first kind of episode is going to continue on not for long media's stuff and we'll kind of transfer all that over and uh, just bear with us here. We're making it all work. Thanks to our team. Thanks to our sponsor, the original Fudge Kitchen, switching, shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country, fudgekitchens.com. That's another episode of uh, The Colin Thompson Show. Thanks for
2: tuning in.